Theater of Heels, Chapter 23, Publicity Erica's eyes fluttered open. She was lying on a squashy couch of a cozy wood-paneled room. Bright sunlight shined in through large floor-to-ceiling windows that took up the entire wall. The walls flanking the windows were lined with large bookshelves. There was also a stone fireplace with a framed poster of King Lear. The place was immaculate. She squinted at the King Lear poster. There was something vaguely familiar about the man in it. She supposed it was King Lear. She had never seen the play. She shook her head and looked around confused. She croaked. Where am I? Erica massaged her throat. It felt parched and raw. Her eyes were puffy and her temples throbbed with an intense headache. Was she hungover? She wouldn't have any real way of knowing. She never drank anything stronger than coffee before in her life. She groggily pushed herself up and shook her head. She instantly regretted the movement. Erica didn't remember drinking last night. In fact, she didn't remember anything before. Was that real? Did she really lose her job and fight a super criminal who essentially turned around to defend her twice? She shook her head. No, that couldn't have been it. Ah, I was wondering when you were going to wake up. Erica's head whipped around. Why the man? It was him. Wearing an apron that read, Chefs do it in the kitchen. He carried a large tray of food with plates of pancakes, scrambled eggs, ham, bacon, a glass of orange juice, and coffee. That is one of the titles that I respond to. But considering everything you and I have been through in the past day, I believe we can dispense with such formalities. You may call me Jefferson, or Mr. Stewart if you prefer. He placed a tray of food on the coffee table. Here, please eat. You must be famished. As a memory of yesterday came crashing in with awful clarity, she said, No, not really. Then she caught a whiff of the food, and she lunged in with unabated enthusiasm. After wolfing several mouthfuls in relative silence, her host smiled and sat down across from her in a squashy armchair. In truth, I'm glad you have finally awoken. I did not want to disturb you, but I was getting quite anxious to catch today's hero report. She looked at him with a mouthful of eggs. She swallowed quickly. Hero report? Yes, I should like to get their morning report. Dread peeked around the corner to stare at her with its wicked cold grin. Oh no. Please don't be for us. Please don't be for us. Um, why? Here, let us watch it together. He flipped on the TV in front of her couch. An emblazoned HR logo jingled on the screen. Oh good, said Jefferson. We've caught the beginning of the broadcast. The image of the logo cut to an attractive man and woman sitting behind a news desk. Welcome to the Hero Report, the man began, where you can find all your superhero-related news. I'm Victor Tango. And I'm Monica Beach, said the woman. Victor smiled in the camera. Today, everyone is talking about yesterday's daring daylight robbery by the villain Weatherman and this young woman. Erica's jaw dropped as the image of herself and her hero garb appeared on the screen in black and white. That's right, Victor said Monica as the camera cut to her. Who is she? Where did she come from? 
Why did she decide to partner with the nefarious loner Weatherman? Jefferson cocked up an eyebrow. Nefarious loner? A spokesman for a Capes Corps investigation squad had this to say. The screen cut to a balding middle-aged man who stood behind a podium addressing a crowd of reporters. At present, we're still gathering evidence. But based on our observations, we believe the mysterious woman who has identified herself as Princess Crash was also trying to rob the same bank as Weatherman. The two of them apparently band together for mutual protection when our licensed superhero Sleek arrived on the scene. What? exclaimed Erica. The broadcast cut back to the desk where Victor and Monica looked at each other with almost genuine smiles. That's right, folks. You heard it here first. The Gadgeteer villain goes by the code name Princess Crash. But, 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 stammered Erica. Monica gave a fake little shiver. Her name definitely has some style. I would almost root for her if she wasn't an armed robber. <laughs> I know what you mean, Monica, said Victor. She certainly is an enigma. We only just discovered that her battle with Sleek wasn't her first encounter with a superhero that day. Less than half an hour earlier, her path crossed with another Majestic's top superheroes, Spearhawk. However, this meeting occurred under far different circumstances. The screen flashed the Hero Port's floating camera, showing footage of Razorbite descending claws first toward the downed Spearhawk just in front of her car. Razorbite grabbed his ears and Spearhawk flip-kicked the villain's chin, knocking him away. The image rewound with Victor's voiceover. Let's see that again. In slow motion, the footage zoomed in on Erica pressing her car's horn an instant before Razorbite grabbed his ears and Spearhawk kicked the monster. That's right, Monica appeared back on the screen. The mysterious Princess Crash is responsible for saving Spearhawk from certain destruction at another villain's hands. The image cut to Spearhawk talking to Erica at her window. Monica smiled wryly at the camera. Look at this meme for Sleek and Spearhawk. Rumors have been circulating for years that these two were more than just teammates. If you know what I mean. Could there be more to Sleek's ferocity than her usual love of justice? Victor said, We caught up with Spearhawk last night to get his take on the mysterious Princess Crash. Spearhawk smiled at the camera. Well, obviously I didn't know who she was at the time, nor what she was intending to do. He shrugged amiably. Still, I'm pretty glad she was there when she was. Despite everything she did, I can't ignore the fact that she saved my bacon, for which I am very grateful. Monica said, It's not every day that a super criminal earns the gratitude of a hero, especially one of Spearhawk's caliber. Well, Spearhawk isn't the only one feeling this way. Little Red Thomas is also grateful to Princess Crash. Both she and, surprisingly, Weatherman taught this five-year-old an important life lesson. Surprisingly, scoffed Jefferson. The screen displayed a fidgeting little boy looking around wide-eyed. And then, and then, then my, um, um, ball bounced into the street and, and I, I chased after it. Into the street? Asked the off-camera voice. Yeah, nodded Rhett. Then I turned and I saw this car come at me real fast. Zoom! They cut to the footage of Rhett chasing his ball between two cars out into the street, directly in front of Erica's speeding purple car. The car's tires smote as they left twin black smears on the road, skidding to a stop just in front of the little boy. Weatherman scooped him up and placed him back safely on the sidewalk and gave him back his lost ball. 
before the tires spun violently and they sped off. The image cut back to Rhett's interview. He was waving his arms around his belly, and then he picked me up and it was all whooshy around me. He gave me my ball and told me to stay in school. Jefferson pointed at the TV spalling at Erica. Aha! You see! Despite herself, Erica smirked. Victor Tanger reappeared. Stay in school. Good advice, no matter what the source. Monica smiled. You're right there, Victor. In other news, today the Sharkhead brothers were brought into custody by Block after... Jefferson clicked off the television and looked at her excitedly. Well, what do you think? What do I think? Erica repeated. What do I think? She shook her head trying to wrap her brain around everything she just heard. I think my parents are going to kill me. Crestfallen, Jefferson said. Well, yes, that is certainly one way to look at it. Erica stared at the blank screen for several moments. I'm on the hero report. One of the biggest mistakes in my life is on syndicated TV for everyone to see. This is... Coherent thought took a running jump off the diving board of sanity and cannonballed down into a pit of despair. She put her face on her hands. Oh. My. God. What's wrong? Asked Jefferson. I know you're new to this, but that is rather good press. There isn't a way to get away from all this, is there? Jefferson shook his head. Not really. No. He sighed. Listen, princess. I know this isn't what you wanted. None of us sign up for villainy of our own volition. We all want to be loved and adored. Believe me, my desire for fame and adulation far exceeds yours. You have to trust me. This was the only way. Erica looked at him and nodded. Thanks. He shrugged. How far that little candle throws his beams. So shines a good deed in a weary world. She averted her gaze and took in their environment. Um, Jefferson, is it? He smiled. That is one of my titles, yes. Um, where are we? My dear, you are a guest in my home. He waved his arms around. How did we get here? I carried you. You unfortunately broke into a severe fit of hysterics that I, nor any of my super brethren, could convince you to come out of. You must forgive me for saying so, but you are quite the messy crier. I sent my shirt from yesterday to the laundry because of all the ribbons of snot. <sighs> he sighed. Anyways, I digress. I had to procure a business associate to finally put you to sleep so you could subconsciously process your shock. He thought you might wake up about this time. He said it was a testament to your willpower or something. Regardless, he seemed impressed. Erica's eyes widened. She pulled up her covers. You hadn't tried to... You know. Jefferson flushed. I most certainly did not. You're young enough to be my... He took a deep breath. I'm a villain, not a bastard. I do have some sense of decorum. Besides, you still have all your clothes on. Erica peeked under the blanket and sighed. She was still wearing her wrinkled clothes from yesterday. Oh, okay. Jefferson muttered in his breath. 
did I have my way with you? My god, your sense of impertinence. <sighs> he exhaled sharply and gestured to the food. Just hurry up and eat. There's something I'd like to show you after your phone call. She raised her eyebrow. Phone call? Yes. Your parents have been calling your phone nonstop. Apparently, they recognized you from the news footage. Oh, no. My mom and dad are going to kill me. They certainly seemed amenable to that very thought once they realized you were alive and well. She stared at him. You spoke to them? Not directly, no. But I did read your text messages. They were afraid to go to the police for fear of implicating you further. When I realized that the resolve was raining, I took measures. What did you do? I sent them a quick video message of you snoring on my couch. Erica was aghast. You sent my parents a video of me snoring? The point is, I reassured them that you were safe, alive, and as I pointed out to you but a moment ago, were fully clothed. I then texted them a vague message stating you were safe but very tired. I would have you call them when you woke up. He sighed. They rewarded my sympathy with even more threatening text. He shook his head. There isn't any justice in this world. Regardless, I gave them my word and a gentleman keeps his promises. So you need to call them. I will leave you to it. Please join me on the second story when you're finished. He placed herself on the coffee table before. Oh, by the way, I must warn you against trying to reveal any secrets you've learned of late to them. Why? He mulled over his answer for a moment and shrugged. Trust me, it will not go well. He walked to the doorway at the end of the room and opened it to reveal an elevator just outside. Erica looked at her phone laying on the coffee table with growing horror. What was she going to tell them? That she did, in fact, aid a known super criminal? But it's okay, because it's all part of an elaborate ploy orchestrated by a secret organization bent on mass manipulation and profit sharing. She shook her head. Her parents would have her committed faster than she could say the next word. There couldn't be any harm in delaying for a bit. Maybe she'd have a better explanation after breakfast. Apparently, her dirty traitor of a phone disagreed with her reasoning, because it rang at that very moment. With explosive dismay, she stared at her father's picture on the phone's image display. Given her preferences, she would almost rather face sleek again than answer this phone. Well, maybe not, she conceded. She would rather face the exit interview again then. No, not that either. The point is, she would rather face many other tough moments in her past than answer this phone. There was a tricky advanced calculus test she took when she was eight. There was something that she would rather retake more than answer this call. Girding up her courage, she sighed and pressed the answer button and lifted the phone up to her ear. Hi, Dad. Erica hoped she sounded chipper and nonchalant. Oh, thank God! You're alive! Her father sighed. Erica winced as his voice boomed. June! Cedric! I've finally gotten a hold of her. Her mother's frantic voice cried out in the background. Oh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Is she hurt? Is she okay? Came Cedric's voice. Of course they'd be with her brother. I don't know. I'll ask, said her father. Are you hurt, baby? I'm okay, Dad. How are you, Mom and Cedric? 
Worried sick about you? Where were you, young lady? Her mother spoke from the background. Harold, put her on speaker, dear. There was a beep, and her mom's voice came in louder. Erica, this is your mother. Are you okay, honey? I'm okay, mom, really. Are you sure? Yes. Her mother sighed and sniffled. Erica's heart ached for her. But before she could reflect on her grief for too long, her mother's voice exploded out of the ear pierce. What do you mean scaring us half to death like that? Not returning our calls? Your father and I were up all night worried sick that you were lying dead in a ditch somewhere. Or face down in the bay. Her dad chimed in gruffly. Yes, here she gets it. Erica's mother said gently before turning her rage back on her daughter. We all saw you on TV fighting that superhero alongside that weatherman hooligan. I didn't pay for all those years at the Kirby Lee Psychic Academy for that, barked her father. How you've been acting the last day? Is that how we race you? Screamed her mother. What were you thinking fighting that cybernetic harlot? She punches people through walls and asks questions later. You could have been killed. She was literally trying to kill you. Still, our little girl held her own, her father said with a touch of pride. That is hardly the point, Harold, is her mother. What about me, Erica? Asked her brother. As an officer of the law, I should report you to the force. Erica's heart dropped. I'm not, her brother said heavily. I care more about you than I do the law. But if anyone finds out, it can not only cost me my job, I would face charges as well. Did you hear that? You could cost your brother his job! What do you have to say for yourself? Demanded her mother. I... Well... What could she say? She'd been through so much in the last 24 hours. Where could she begin? She sighed. She didn't see any way around it except to tell them the whole messy, outlandish truth. Starting with how the situation began. She opened her mouth to speak, but the words halted in her throat as a sharp pain pierced her temples. She collapsed her knees and grabbed her head, dropping the phone in the process. She would have screamed out if not for the constriction across her throat. Then all at once, the pain evaporated. She looked around and confused. What was that? Erica? 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 Caught her mom from the phone on the floor. Did she hang up? No, answered Cedric. The timer's still going. Maybe she walked away. She wouldn't do that, would she? Asked her mom. Erica, are you still there? Boomed her dad. Her jaw unlocked. I'm here, she confirmed. Well, at least she could say that much. Honey, are you okay? Her father sounded worried again. I think so. Then tell us, her mother started. But her father shushed her. Are you alone? He asked. She straightened up and looked around. I think so. Do you think anyone's listening in? Erica looked around at the distinguished decorations of her benefactor's apartment. It's hard to say exactly, but I don't think so. Please, tell us what's going on, he implored. His tone was enough to break her heart. Dad, I... Again, the words froze in her throat and the pain returned just as she was about to confess. She closed her mouth and the symptoms eased. Then it hit her all at once. Psychic contract. It won't let me say anything to compromise the company. Those jerks, 
everything she dealt with yesterday was off limits. It wasn't a matter of not wanting to talk to them about it, so much as she was unable to. They thought of everything. Honey, are you there? Her father asked. I'm here, Dad. Can you tell us anything? I... I don't think I can. She gave a start. At least that came out. She was almost elated enough to dance a jig. Why not? Demanded her mother. It's complicated, she said uncertainly. Well, as long as I stay vague, I can speak. Her mother persisted. Can you confirm that it was you we saw on the news alongside that horrible weatherman? Inklings of the invisible pain formed as she began to answer. She couldn't say yes or no. Are you being coerced by a criminal? Demanded her mother. She was, but not the ones her family was thinking about. Regardless, she couldn't answer one way or another. This limitation was getting annoying fast. She tried another approach. The person, she enunciated slowly and clearly, I was with yesterday, has done nothing but help me tremendously. Erica, what is that supposed to mean? Growled Cedric. Cedric, I'm being as clear as I can be, she told him mournfully. Erica, I'm a cop. Let me help you. She sighed. What I'm involved in, big brother, is far beyond your jurisdiction. Which, of course, she couldn't say out loud. Thank you for listening to this episode of Theater Appeals. I hope you enjoyed my tale of heroes and villains. If you like this story, perhaps you might like other tales created by me, Christopher Chansey. My other podcast, The Skies Embrace, is an epic fantasy that follows the exploits of the crew of the skyship The Maiden's Arrow as they navigate the perils of the clouds. I also have another podcast titled Stories by the Fire. It's an eclectic range of short stories and longer epics told in a darker ambiance. All these tales and more are available on my website, ChristopherChancy.com, and my YouTube channel. Theater of Heels and my other novels are also available on Amazon.com and other fine book retailers. If you'd like to support my work, please consider joining my Patreon family at patreon.com slash Christopher Chansey. There you get exclusive insights and sneak peeks into my work, projects, artwork, and novels, as well as get access to exclusive merch. As always, thank you for stopping by and listening. May your journey always be a heroic one. Farewell. <laughs>